0: Welcome to Zichud Dafsim, Monday, Monday, Rabbi Avram Goldreich, and today we're discussing Daf Nun Beis, the fourth parashah, Nishpates Pasuca. The Zichud Maseches Kesubas program has been generously sponsored as a schuz for Hachazakah Satora. So the three topics we're going to focus on: Number one, it was taught in the Brisa. Nishpates vayimavakshem menu adasar bedameah. If a woman was captured and her captors demanded from the husband up to ten times her worth. The first time this happens, he must ransom her. From then on, if he wants, he ransoms her. If he wants, he doesn't ransom her. Rosh Hashimah Gamliel says, One may not ransom captives more than their value for the benefit of the world. Rashi explains that this will help prevent captors from demanding high ransoms. The Gamaliel notes that this implies that Rosh holds that one pays ransom up until her value and brings a conflicting price where he says that one may pay ransom up until the equivalent to her ksuba, but he doesn't need to ransom her if the ransom is higher. Rashi explains that ransoming one's wife is only a tanai the ksuba, whereas the two in is the main part of the ksuba. Therefore, the tafel payment should not be more than the Iker payment. The he answers Raman Shemangamuyo trade Kule Esle. Raman subscribes to two leniencies. Rashi explains that he holds that the husband does not have to pay more than her value if it's higher than the value of her ksuba, nor the value of her ksuba, if it's higher than her value. Pointing to the next mission states, so, the Chasm did not write for his kala. Benin that you have from me, Inun ksuba seich, lakon they will inherit the money of your ksuba above what they share with their brothers. He is nonetheless chayv to fulfill the stipulation since it's a tonight basin. Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Shimbra Yachai, Yochai, why did the Chomim institute ksubas benin so that a man will jump and write a large dowry for his daughter as if it were his son. This ensures that his property will be passed on to his descendants. The Gemara asks if there is such a thing where the Torah says a son should inherit and a daughter shall not and the Rabbanan common Institute that she should inherit. Meaning how could the Rabbanan encourage the father to give away his property for his daughter that the sons stand to inherit? The Gemara answers that the Chiyuv to provide a dowry is also the right. So for the Pusik states... Take wives and have sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands. Now, is it in the father's hands to marry off his daughter? Rashi explains that it's not for the woman to seek a spouse. Rather, the Pasuk is saying that the father should clothe and give her jewelry and property so that men will jump to marry her. And pointing to the Gemara asks how much of one's possessions should be committed to the dowry. Abi and Rava both said, Up until one-tenth of one's possessions. So once again, the three points are number one. It was taught in a if a woman was captured and her captors demanded from the husband, up to ten times her worth, the first time this happens, he must ransom her. From then on, if he wants, he ransoms her. If he wants, he doesn't ransom her. says, One may not ransom captives more than their value for the benefit of the world. Rashi explains that this will help prevent captors from demanding high ransoms. The Gemara notes that this implies that Ramesh holds that one pays ransom up until her value, and brings a conflicting price where he says that one may pay ransom up until the equivalent to her ksuba, but he doesn't need to ransom her if the ransom is higher. Rashi explains that ransoming one's wife is only a tanai the ksuba, whereas the 200 zuz is the main part of the ksuba. Therefore, the tafel payment should not be more than the Iker payment. The Gemara answers Ramesh Mugamwio trekule eisle. Rabbi Shema subscribes to two leniencies. Rashi explains that he holds that the husband does not have to pay more than her value if it's higher than the value of her ksuba, nor the value of her ksuba if it's higher than her value. Pointing to the next mission states, the Khasm did not write for his kala, the that you have from me, Inun ksuba seich, They will inherit the money of your ksuba above what they share with their brothers. He is nonetheless chayev to fulfill the stipulation since it's a tonight basin. Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rav why did the Chomim institute Ksubas Benin Dichrin? Kadesh Admi Givno, so that a man will jump and write a large dowry for his daughter as if it were his son. This ensures that his property will be passed on to his descendants. The Gemara asks if there's such a thing where the Torah says a son should inherit and a daughter shall not, and the Rabbanan common institute that she should inherit. Meaning, how could the Rabbanan encourage the father to give away his property for his daughter that the sons stand to inherit? The Gemara answers that the Chiyuv to provide a dowry is also the right. So for the Pusik states, Take wives and have sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, anashim, and give your daughters to husbands. Now is it in the father's hands to marry off his daughter? Rashi explains that it's not for the woman to seek a spouse. Rather, the Pusik is saying that the father should clothe and give her jewelry and property so that men will jump to marry her. And pointing with you, the Gemara asks, How much of one's possessions should be committed to the dowry? A and Rava both said, Ad iser nichse, up until one-tenth of one's possessions. All right, so now we get to our Simradav Nun base and our standard simon is a newbie to Yiddishkeit. Someone new to Yiddishkeit. So here goes. The newbie to Yiddishkeit laughed when he received a ransom note for ten times his wife's value, because he knew she was being held in a jail that was destined to be inherited by her sons, as ksubas Benim Dichrin, after his father-in-law had given him the property as a dowry equal to one-tenth of his estate. Once again, it's a motion. The newbie to Yiddish guy, newbie to Yiddish guy, that must be more on duff. Nun bays. The newbie to Yiddish guy laughed when he received a ransom note for ten times his wife's value, which reminds us we have more regarding how much ransom one can pay for his wife who was captured. So the Nubiti Yiddish laughed when he received a ransom note for ten times his wife's value because he knew she was being held in a jail that was destined to be inherited by her sons as Ksubas Benindachrin, which reminds us Ksubas Benindachrin is one of the Tanai Ksuba and was instituted so that a man will jump and write a large dowry for his daughter as if she were his son. It ensures that his property will be passed on to his descendants. So the Nubiti Yedishkeit laughed when he received a ransom note for ten times his wife's value, because he knew she was being held in a jail that was destined to be inherited by her sons as Ksuba's benindechrin, after his father-in-law had given him the property as a dowry equal to one tenth of his estate. Which reminds the Gemara how much of one's possessions should be committed to the dowry. by and Rav both said, "Adikli iser nixe up until one tenth of one's possessions." So once again. The Nubiti to laughed when he received a ransom note for ten times his wife's value because he knew she was being held in a jail that was destined to be inherited by her sons as Ksuba's Benin after his father-in-law had given him the property as a dowry equal to one-tenth of his estate. All right, so now it's time to go to our four-block back, Hazara. Daph Memches, so the similar Daf Memches is Brainiac. So here goes. The Brainiacs, Brainiacs, that must mean one Daf Memches. The brainiacs who got hired to play the flute and to do the lamenting at a wife's burial were so horrible. Which reminds us, we have Melchukas if a husband is required to provide flutes and a lamenter at his wife's burial. The Gemara says that the Melchukas is in a case where it's the husband's custom to have the flute and a lamenter at a woman's funeral, but it's not her family's custom. The Tanakama holds, when we say that a woman rises to her husband's status but does not descend to it, this applies in her life, but not after her death. But holds, this principle applies even after her death. So... The brainiacs who got hired to play the flute and to do the lamenting at a wife's burial were so horrible. That the woman's father went insane, requiring Basin to organize support for his wife and children from his property. Which reminds us of what Jesus said in the name of When he went insane, Basin goes down to his property and supports and maintains his wife and his sons and daughters. Because we assume the father who went crazy would have wanted to support his children. This is different than a father who travels overseas. Since he could have arranged support for his children before departing, but did not, it indicates that he does not want to support them in his absence. Nonetheless, he must support his wife because that's one of the Talaik so the brainiacs who got hired to play the flute and to do the lamenting at a wife's burial were so horrible that the woman's father went insane, requiring Basin to organize support for his wife and children from his property. And her sister died from shock right after she had been handed over to the husband's shluchim, enabling her husband to retain her dowry, which reminds us. The next Mishnah states, "Masa Once the father has handed his daughter, over to the husband's agents, she is in her husband's rishus. There's a machos regarding what it means that she's in his rishus. And the Bryce refutes every opinion except for Shmuls, who says it's regarding her Yerusha, that the delivery is only effective for her inheritance. If she dies on the way, her husband retains the dowry. Daph Memtes, or the similar Daf Memtes is a butcher because it relates to meat. So here goes. The butcher's daughter butcher, that must mean one Memtes, meat. The butcher's daughter who arrived back at her father's shop when her husband died while she was travelling with the shluchim, which reminds us, we learned that a call given over to the husband shluchim, if she returns to her father's house before reaching her husband, she does not revert to original state of being in her shirts. So we learn this from the Pasuk, "Neder Almanu Grusha Ko Aswal Nafsha But the never almanu or grusha anything she prohibited upon herself shall be binding upon her. Now what's this coming to teach? As it's obvious that once a woman is an alman or divorce, that her nadarim are her own. Rather, it's to teach that if the girl was handed over to the shulchei abal and she was widowed or divorced, while on the way, once the daughter leaves the father's shush for any length of time, he can no longer annul her vows. So the butcher's daughter, who arrived back at her father's shop when her husband died while she was traveling with the shulchei was resentful to her father, who only fed her growing up, because it was a mitzvah, which reminds us the next Mishnah states, "A Eino Chayv bito. a father's not chayv to provide for his daughter's sustenance while he's still alive. The Gemara says that this implies that he is chayv in his son's sustenance, and even with regard to his daughter, there's no chiyuv, but it is a mitzvah to provide for her. The who the ton of the Mishnah is, given that it seemingly cannot be any of the three to nine mentioned in Abrisa. So the butcher's daughter who arrived back at her father's shop when her husband died while she was travelling with his Shlukim, was resentful to her father who only fed her growing up because it was a mitzvah, and that was only after Bateson shamed him when she was a minor, calling him worse than a raven. Which reminds us, the rebuttant only shame fathers who do not want to support the young children. They do not compel them to support them. Rav Chishta would have someone announce on a turned over mortar that such a father was worse than a raven who wants its young, and this man does not want its young. The more clarifies that the announcer is referring to black ravens. For when the ravens are young and white, the parents do not feed them, and they must turn to a sham. Daf Nun, so the simmer Daf Nun is a nincompoop. So here goes. The moneyless nincompoop. Nincompoop? That must mean more than Nun. The moneyless nincompoop who couldn't figure out why his first tithe didn't equal his second tithe, nor his tenth tithe, which reminds us, Rabbi Ila said, bez, bez In Usha, the chamim enacted that one who gives generously to a should not give more generously than a fifth. Rashi explains that he should not give more than a fifth so that he should not come himself to need others. The Pasek states that Yaakov Avinu said, titan li And all that you will give me tithe, and I shall tithe it to you. Rashi explains that the two mentions of tithes implies one-fifth. So, the moneyless nincompoop who couldn't figure out why his first tithe didn't equal his second tithe, nor his tenth tithe, tried to hire a five-year-old weak, but learned child to explain it to him, which reminds us we have a question whether teaching Torah to a child less than six years old will weaken him and be harmful to his health, or it will develop him and put him ahead of his peers. So, the moneyless nincompoop who couldn't figure out why his first tithe didn't equal his second tithe, nor his Tenth tithe, try to hire a five-year-old weak, but learned a child to explain it to him. But he was busy telling his older sister that just as he collects Ksubas Benindachrin only from land, so too she is sustained from their father's property, which is land. Which reminds us, rab Hamnuna said, just as sons inherit only from real property, referring to Karka, so too the daughters are only sustained from real property. The Gemara clarifies that he was referring to the sons inheriting the Ksubas Benindachrin. So the simur duff nun olive is beaver or beaver pelt hats. So here goes. The beaver pelt hats salesman. Beaver pelts. That must mean we're a duff nun olive naw. The beaver pelt hat salesman who didn't write exuba for his wife but still owed her two hundred zuz, which reminds us in Nesmachon states that in the case where the chassan didn't write exuba, a basuah collects two hundred and an almana amana because that's the tanai a baisden. So the beaver pelt hat salesman who didn't write exuba for his wife but still owed two hundred zuz. Built a big dam to block men from violating her, so she would not come to act willingly, which reminds us it's a Malchlokas if a wife of a Yisrael is violated, whether she becomes forbidden to her husband. Avuya de Shmuel, father says that since the end of the act could have been done by Ratson willingly, she's forbidden, and Rava says that even if the end of the act was done by Ratson, we would say that the Yetzer overcame her. So the Beaver Pelt hat salesman who didn't write a for his wife, but still owed two hundred Zuz built a big dam to block men from violating her so she would not come to act willingly, but didn't anticipate Ben Beaver, the king of the Beaver Bell community, capturing her, whom she might hope to marry. Which reminds us, it was taught in a bride, <laughs> Captives in the monarchy, which Shosh explains are women taken to be concubines, are like ordinary captive women and may return to their husbands. But women captured by bandits are not like ordinary captives and become forbidden to their husbands. The Gemara says that another bribes taught the opposite and then seeks to reconcile them. The first bribes is referring to a malkus like a kashverosh, where the women know that they will not become his wife and therefore they act. Under duress. The other is like Benetsu, who Rush explains, captured several cities and ruled over them like a king. Here, the captive woman might think she'll marry the ruler and act willingly, thereby becoming prohibited to her husband. All right, so now it's time to conclude with our 10-question pop quiz. Number one. Which of the women that even if one does not write aksuba for one's wife, she still collects aksuba since it's a tenaia based in that's on None of Good number two. Which stuff do you want a father should give up to one tenth of his possessions for his daughter's dowry? That's on duff. None. Base Good number three. Which stuff do we have a question whether one's child should start to learn Torah before the age of six? That's on duff. None. Good number four. Which stuff do we have a question whether Yisrael's wife, who is violated, becomes forbidden to her husband out of concern that the end of the act was Baratzon? That's on duff. Non-alf. Good number five. Which that we have regarding how much ransom one should pay for a captured wife, that's on duff. None base. Good number six. Which that when the captives of the Melch are permitted to their husbands, but captives of bandits are not. That's on duff. Al. Good number seven. Which that they why the Khamim instituted the Ksupas Benin DeKrin, that's on duff. None base. Good number eight. Which something one how the coming will hold that the defamer does not have to have relations with her. Explain the psukim such as spreading out the sheet. That's on daf. Memvav. Good number nine. Which something when that the one should not give more than one fifth to miser. That's on daf. None. Good and number ten. Which something will cook is whether the father has the rights to consume the produce from a daughter's property. That's on Memzine. Excellent. All right, that concludes today's shir. This is Rabbi Avram Zich. We you a great day and great learning.